All right, we are live. Uh, the Blend, Harks Podcast, CX and EX, everything in between. Uh, the inspiration behind the CX and EX, Adrian Brady Shasana. I had started following you a long time ago, listened to your podcast. Um, we connected with each other on LinkedIn after uh, Harks Funding Round, and I never thought I'd have you on mine. So I'm, I'm a bit humbled to have you today and, and excited to pick your brain about some stuff. 100%, Fran. I'm pumped to be here, man. Um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our last several conversations and as I've said many times to you, man, it's awesome to have other people trying to figure out how we can navigate, optimize, improve this this whole space for the future, man. We both know that there are just countless companies out there that need help with thinking about how they're gonna how they can do a better job with the stuff, right, man? Every one of us has examples of it too. That's right. So there's a lot I want to go through today, um, and we'll take a step back on that. I mean, it's a really interesting time. To your point, the last two three years, a lot of companies when COVID hit focused a lot of their efforts on customer acquisition and that part of the customer experience journey uh, where you and I connect on a lot is the post-purchase side yep. and companies coming around now and trying to make that better and really differentiate as a brand by how they treat their customers in the back end. That's not new, but it has become a really big focal point of late. So um, your story is very interesting. So just talk, talk to us a little bit about you, how you came up with the four pillars, what the pillars are, and then let's dive in and chat. Okay, cool. So I'll, I'll promise I'll, I'll, I'll do the two-minute elevator for our <laughs> listeners, man. So, so guys, number one, um, Adrian Brady Chizana, um, I started CX Chronicles only only really two years ago, similar to Fran. And one of the reasons why I think Fran and I hit it off so well right out of the gates is like um, I knew that this was a space that people need help with, right? There's, there is millions of people that work in the customer experience, customer success, customer support space, period. Um, there are countless companies that are doing uh, incredible things on the CX and the CS side. I'd say there's even more companies that maybe need a lot of help and they could stand to to talk with folks like Fran or to talk to folks with Adrian about how they should be thinking about the future of it. But long story short, guys, I, I had a little bit different of a, of a background than a lot of your other CX or your CS um, you know, folks that, that, that are thinking about this stuff every single day. I spent just under 10 years in New York City, Fran, working at a, a plethora of different venture capital-backed startup companies. Um, I got to spend time at one of the country's fastest growing floral subscription companies in H Bloom. Um, we set out to disrupt the entire world of flowers, guys. So I, I never thought I was going to sell flowers, but long story short, we raised um, we raised capital to go out and tackle the top 25 markets in the U.S., bringing B2B clients fresh floral cuts every single solitary week and plants every single solitary week. So think hotels and restaurants and property management groups and that type of thing. Um, Fran, definitely where I got my feet soaking wet. And at the time I did, I wasn't, I wasn't calling it CX, man, but I was in a general management position running our flagship market in New York City. I was doing one part sales, one part ops, one part product, tons of time with the customer side. I promise you, I spent a ton of time talking yeah. to other consumers about the good and the bad and the ugly. And frankly, that's probably where I started to cut my teeth we're getting really comfortable having some of these conversations, right? Both the good ones and the uncomfortable ones. Um, I spent time at a, at, a, at a white glove Airbnb company called One Fine Stay based out of London. And essentially, I, I again, found myself in, a, in my first head of customer experience job. So this is really where um, the beginning of the practitioner part of my story started, where I was working with our host and our guest relationships team, team every single solitary day. I was working with hosts across the, uh, New York City. I was working with guests across New York City. We were thinking about how to make sure that we, they could have incredible stays. And again, I was leading and building and, and, and working hand, by, hand in hand with our team of people that was working with the customer every single solitary day. So once again, I saw another whole other customer base, whole other set of team challenges, a whole other set of technologies, 
I had to rethink how to kind of take some of the stuff that we did from HBO and bring it into the process side of Wolf by Stay, et cetera. So, so again, had another at-bat there. Um, and then took a totally different path. Joined a home healthcare technology company in the Flatiron District of Manhattan called Home Team. And basically, we were trying to tackle the aging space in, in the United States, Fran. And essentially, we built a pretty incredible product to be able to help um, families with the aging experience. So think grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, when they get to the end of life and they need help, they need support. And we also built... Um, a, a, an army of incredible home health aides that were serving all, all, all the boroughs, right? So basically we had people running all over New York City and New Jersey. We had all these incredible customers. And once again, I was building a CX team from scratch, man. This was a little bit different too because this wasn't just like all inbound customer side. We had one part of our team built for customers, um, one part of the team built for their family members. So think kids that maybe don't live in New York City anymore. They're living out in California, but they want to know how mom and dad are doing. And then we were building a part of our CX capacity for the caregivers, we need to be able to take phone calls, emails, live chat, text message from our caregivers when they were out in these families' homes taking care of older adults. And that was a big part of our differentiation where we were supporting our, our HHAs like no other business. So so that was another another event. And then the last one that I promised we'll get into the CXC stuff. I moved back to Buffalo, New York, my friend. And a lot of people are like, how that? How did you go from New York City back to Buffalo, New York? So this is where I was born. This is where, this is where I grew up. This is what I called home when I, in, my, in my earlier life. But came back to Buffalo, man, because I had an opportunity to work for our lone unicorn in Buffalo, New York, a company called ACB Auctions. And I had one of the coolest experiences, friend, where I was working with our executive leadership team, helping to think about how we could disrupt the automotive space, man. So once again, I found myself in a position where as a practitioner, I was thinking about customer experience every day, customer success, customer support. I was literally traveling across the U.S. meeting with these automotive dealers and principal and ownership groups, trying to figure out how we could make our app work better. What do they love about the app? What do they hate about the app? What do they love about our services and our T's and our C's? Yeah. And then I would go back to Buffalo and I would storytell. I would, I would work with our product team, our engineering team, our analytics team, our sales team to, to make sure that people understood what the voice of the customer was saying, number one. But then to also kind of think about what the voice of the employee was thinking, right? Because all of these, I think one of the big things that we'll get into today, Fran, but like part of CX is really also understanding EX and it's, an, and it's understanding yeah. employee experience, employee engagement. Um, great CX is built through your employees, right? Your employees yeah. take care of your customers, your employees talk to your customers and your employees, frankly, they know some of the biggest opportunities that are right for optimization and future enhancement as you start to grow your business. Um, so that was my that was my pre-CXC life. Uh, for the last two years, friend, like so many other entrepreneurs and so many other business owners across the world, the COVID just opened up this huge opportunity for me. I knew that I I knew that I was working in a space that I absolutely loved. I knew that I was getting really good at it, and I knew that I was starting to build a big a big network of people from all over the world that were doing this type of work. And I dove headfirst into CX Chronicles, man. So for the last two years, um, we've been working with a plethora of incredible growth-focused companies, specifically their CX and their CS leaders, Fran. And this is a big part of how you and I um, really started to, 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 to hit, you know, hit the ground running with our relationship, which is these, these directors, VPs, SVPs of CX and CS, they have a super difficult job. Um, they're often tasked with a, a, just a huge... Uh, a huge order of things that they need to do. Many companies kind of make CX and CS like the, the hub that everything has to kind of go through. And we started building products and services to help them. So, 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 and that this is where the, the four CX builders comes into play. You know, all these different roles that I had, friend, you'd hear these executives talk about people, process, and product, or you'd hear, hear executives talk about some of the, some of the, the generic nomenclature about, you know, happy employees equals happy customers, but there wasn't granular answers, man. And there certainly wasn't, yeah step-by-step -step blueprints or this is the other thing I, by the time we get to the second or third of the businesses that i that i just shared with our listeners 
I started to realize even super duper successful entrepreneurs who understand finance super well, they understand sales super well, they understand product. They didn't necessarily have the answers or or, or, or maybe some of the, the 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 calls to action that were required to build a world class customer experience, customer success roadmap and strategy. And that's what we've been doing for the last two years, man. So we offer a variety of fractional CXO managed services. Um, we do CX, CX, and Re CX, CS, and RevOps managed services for a number of our, our, of our clients. And really, we, uh, we, we've been having a pretty awesome time working with a bunch of different businesses, thinking about their customer journeys, thinking about what their living playbooks need to look like, and thinking about how they're going to build voice of customer and voice of employee reporting as they scale their businesses into the future. Ton to unpack there. So uh, you've got a very diverse background where it wasn't even just customer experience of, I mean, we you know we all think of lifetime value of, of the, the customer, but you think about like the home health product and it's, you know, how are you impacting somebody's family and how they can communicate with their loved ones in their last remaining years? I mean, that's, that's heavy, it's broad. So uh, one thing though, through that entire background that kept coming up is the people. And I know one of the pillars is the team. So, uh, you know, like, like everybody does before a podcast, we got together and talked about what themes should we cover? Uh, and something that kept coming up for us is what you just alluded to that some companies have great CX because their culture is fantastic. And that's because their leadership team just does a really good job of it. Um, they treat people really, really well. And in return, those people that resonates with the customers. And, you know, like you said, there's that blanket statement of happy employees, happy customers, but the granularity is happy employees want to dig into the customers, make their experience better. And the customers feel that. So how, you know, you come into a company, how do you evaluate if they're even a fit? Because if you can't get the culture down, are you, are you even going to be really, really impactful on the CX side? And, and how do you go about that with, with your prospective companies that you, you, you use these services for? Yeah, awesome question. I think, I think number one, so the four pillars, it, it really derived from the fact, again, people process product is great, but I kept, yeah. I kept looking at it like a wobbly stool, Fran, like it kind of was like, there was like three of the legs were there, but sometimes depending on when big shifts would happen, big changes would happen, maybe a big customer leaves, maybe a big customer enters, right? So like think about all the different ebbs and flows with the growth focused business where overnight your entire business, your entire roadmap, your entire strategy could theoretically be either derailed or it could be thrown a major curveball that it's got to think about. So the four pillars was really derived around the team, tools, process and feedback because it provided a bit more stability, but it also provided a, um, a more robust framework where if you could actually keep, keep, keep a pulse or keep a strong sense for what was happening within each one of those four pillars, you were really kind of setting yourself up for, for more success. Um, to answer your question kind of around what's the first thing that we do, number one, a big part of our game at CXC is we start with we, we start with our CX scorecards to do an actual assessment for our future potential customers around how are you performing across these four pillars today? So there's a couple of things that goes into that, friend. Number one, just like everyone else out there in the world, man, we try to provide a tremendous amount of value first before we're ever talking about how sure. we're going to work together. Or we're talking about the brass tax of money and rates and prices and all that fun stuff. But number one, it's really starting to understand things like if you start with the first pillar of team, for example, how is your team built? How's your team managed? How's it led? What types of mission or value goes into driving every one of the teams. And I'm not just talking about the CX and the CS team here. I'm talking about the organizational mission or the organizational values, right? So understanding that, number one, outside of like, from, from a sales perspective, number one, you get a lot of qualifying variables just inside of some of those questions, inside of those, those, those conversations. 
But then when we get to the tool side, Fran, for example, you're thinking about and you're highlighting and you're understanding the do's and the don't haves. So then you're starting to understand where there's tech technology possibilities. You're understanding where there might be um, solutions that can actually help to ease some of the pain or ease some of the growth efforts that are going into it. On the process side, this is where the sort of sort of the CX and the CS nerd comes out. But process <laughs> is really just understanding sort of like, again, what what things have we been able to already document, map, uh, define? validate across things like and then this is where you can enter a variety of different thoughts around process so it could be thinking about playbooks right or knowledge base or faqs for internal and external users it could be thinking about your cx and your cs and your support metrics or your performance indicators right it could be thinking about all the different counts or all the different variables for how you want to sort of understand what's going on in a given business um and then lastly in the feedback side really kind of thinking about your how do you gather and understand and compartmentalize customer feedback and then how do you gather compartmentalize and get ready or plan to, to to act upon your employee feedback and realistically right out of the gates when we bring our customers through our scorecard efforts we're identifying opportunities and key calls to action in all of those different areas so that's that's really how we get the conversation started with most of our customers today and where of those customers is your sweet spot and is there a sweet spot are you dealing with fortune 500 companies are you dealing with more startups or everything in between Everything in between. And, and, and I'll tell you, when we started CXC, man, I very much leveraged my personal experience. You hear all these incredible thought leaders out there. You got Gary V's of the world, the Tony Robbins <laughs> of the world, and, 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 and all these, uh, Grant Cardone's of the world. All of these guys, whether you love them or hate them, they talk about find something that, number one, you love, because that is important. I know people think it's cheesy. It's not. You got to be able to get up every single solitary day and get ready to run through a wall in the space that you're working on. But then the second thing you hear these guys talking about, double down on what you're good at. I don't hear enough business leaders just saying it's okay to double down on what you're good at. If you're really good at something, guys, you already have the base. You already have that foundational sense of like, you understand the space, you understand what the possibilities are, you understand what's good versus versus great versus mediocre. And I think that, you know, for us, what we started to real, we started with startups, Fran, right? We started with growth focused venture capital backed startup companies because I spent 15 years doing this stuff. Yeah. Man. Similar yeah. to you, man. Spent a lot of time in New York City working with these people and working with some of these investors and working with, with the customers that are drawn towards or gravitate towards like these pioneering customers, customers that love working, being like the first first person on the block that kind of gets to know a business, gets to know a brand, gets to know an emerging space. And that's what we started with. But what we found out very, very quickly was as we got into some of our initial um, client engagements, we immediately started realizing how this stuff was transferable, how arguably larger companies, although they had a lot of the process and they certainly had a lot of the, 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 the tools or the technology piece figured out, probably which allowed them to scale, let's call it what it is, there was still a tremendous amount of work to do from these larger companies on the team or the EX side. So that first pillar of team and the people that are driving your day to day and then feedback. And this is where you and I have become friends, which is like yeah. some of the best companies on planet Earth need a ton of help with feedback. And even though they've got chief customer officers and chief experience officers and 150 people in their CX and their CS camp, they might not necessarily be counting, measuring, or calculating their MPS, CSAT, customer effort scoring, product satisfaction. They might not be doing the best job of how they're how they're capturing that. Or here's another thought. This is where I think Hark is so awesome and why I've taken such an interest to Hark is like, or they need additional mediums or the next steps around how they can actually build their feedback flywheels, right? Like not just collecting the information, but like, or collecting the feedback, but getting really good at putting it into the right buckets. Tee up CTAs on your feedback, guys, right? So for our listeners, like, 
if you're taking the time to ask your customers for feedback, nobody's responding to them. No one's getting back to them saying, thanks for the feedback or for the good stuff. Like when you get those golden nuggets coming through and people are giving you brilliant ideas that you can build tomorrow's product and service offerings on, igniting that conversation and closing the loop, letting them know not only thank you so much for the feedback, but this is what we're going to do with it. Or this is how your feedback literally just made its way into this month's OKRs or this month's sprint. That is the stuff that like when you hear people like me and you yeah. talking about CX brand, that's some of that magic sauce. That's some of that 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 competitive dis, uh, differentiation that literally can separate you from the 800 pound gorilla that's currently dominating your space. And I think post COVID, and me and you've talked about this a few times, my friend, but like the world is ready for companies to step it up, man. It's not just about like having the product or having the service or having the thing that can show up on time. People want to have some form of relationship with these brands that they're using and people want to support companies that actually actually believe in the whole cx and ex piece of where like you're investing in both sides right you're investing on the customer side you're investing on the employee side those two things drive product and service enhancement and i really think that post covid man the world has kind of got a different set of expectations around how companies and how business business leaders need to think about that it's hard uh, to do that. It's it's hard. It, you got to take that next step. And and one of the newsletters I actually just shouted out on LinkedIn. Uh, Eli Weiss runs a newsletter, Newsies, and uh, he does a good job with it. And one of the things that stuck out to me lately was his approach to feedback to the customers. What you're talking about, closing the loop. So it's so easy to give your agents. You have authority to give a fifteen percent uh, discount or whatever it might be if there's an unhappy customer. But that not that doesn't move the needle for a lot of people. You know, like. Yep. We can go find a bunch of discount codes and try to shop as cheap as we want, but we don't. We shop at these niche e-commerce retailers or, or, or online stores that we think are catering to us. And instead of 10% off, maybe you saying, I'm going to take what you said and bring it up in our next product meeting. And I'm going to circle back with you after that. Let's have a call with my head of product. We'd love to go through that. 100%. That person's a customer for life. Like, wow, 100%. okay, this company believes in me, believes in my feedback and wants to implement that. I'm not going to go shop anywhere else because where else am I going to get that kind of experience yep. post purchase? So um, to that point about like we, we brought up like, you know, discounts, the codes and this and that. Is there are there themes that you see that every industry tries to do and have and you come in there through your scorecards and deconstruct them and change what metrics they're they're looking at based on that specific company? Like, is it very custom or is there like a tech stack that, you know, works? And if you track these metrics, you're going to be off to the races. Like, how does that work on your side after you've gone through your assessment? So, so awesome question. I think number one, the short answer of it is every business, certainly different. Every mm -hmm. industry has different caveats, no doubt about it. Yep. And then the third piece is this, Fran. I think that depending on who in the business has really been, been knighted to be that CX or that CS champion or that knight, the, the guy or the gal that's literally running the charge on the customer side, I think all three of those things can can, can have a play at this. So, so, so number one, I think there is a lot of differences that you see when you come into different businesses, different industry types. Now, yeah. on the technology side, a little bit different. So, technology, full candor, we're seeing a lot of the same tools again and again and again. Right? You're mm -hmm. gonna you're constantly gonna see businesses investing and in building on Salesforce, on HubSpot, on Zendesk, uh, on Gorgeous. Right? Um, I, I at CXC, we we're partnered with many of them because we started to realize, wait a minute, there's there's so many people that are already working on these types of tools and in these types of uh, SaaS solutions. We have to be able to work with them on that space or on that landscape. And then more importantly, a lot of the opportunity, to your point, I know we'll get into this, but that's where some of the opportunity lies. Understanding 
what are what is what is not negotiable meaning areas where you do not need to create like a specific thing there are industry expectations there's industry yeah. benchmarks there is like scientific and mathematical agreement from some of the world's leading experts that you can really kind of build in a space but the other big thing on the on the, on the technology and the tool side is our space specifically cx and cs and hark is another prime example here we are seeing more and more SaaS solutions coming onto the market every single solitary day. Like, for example, um, just the abundance of technology companies that are raising a tremendous amount of money to build inside of the customer experience or the customer journey space. It's growing every single solitary day. So another big part of, of some of the work that we're doing, it's really helping to navigate that CX and that CS jungle, if you will. There's constantly new new tools coming down the pipeline. There's constantly different ways that you can measure them, manage them, do performance management to them, and then more importantly, vet them with your, your customers and vet them with your employees. But we're seeing a lot of the same tools. I think there, we could honestly, Fran, we could have an entire conversation <laughs> around how to dissect the space because when you think about tools, man, right, there's there's going to be some of the customer-facing side tools, there's support tools, there's CRM-based tools where you're really focused about focused more around your customer relationships or your account relationships so you understand the caveats of it. Yeah. And then you enter into some of the flagging or the CTA space. Now you've got – there's big, huge companies like like Churn Zero and, and, um, and, and Gainsight and some of these other companies that are trying to do almost like integration and enhanced visualization of all the tools that a business – has already invested in, right? Or has already set up for their business or their customer portfolio. So the tools piece, we could go on and on about it, but the bottom line is, yeah, you're seeing a lot of the same types of tools used, but you're also seeing a lot of the same types of utilization problems with those tools. And that's another big thing that we spend a lot of time with our clients on, which is understanding how to um, fill the gap, if you will, between um, how you can think about, if you're gonna take the time to invest in all these tools and you're gonna have a big, expensive, fancy tech stack, your ability, again, more on the employee experience side or the team side, to think about utilization, mastery, coaching and performance. Because think about it. Some of these big tools, you have a company like Salesforce that sells $20 billion a year in, in their product. You better believe that there's going to be at least once a month you've got to get your customer-facing yeah. team that's using Salesforce onto a call to make sure that they understand some of the changes, some of the updates. That's before you even get into your personal business ecosystem updates. Because that's the other thing is if you're doing a really awesome job with managing your tech stack every month every quarter there are going to be improvements there are going to be updates there are going to be different things that your team needs to know or needs to understand or needs to be taught so that you can continue to really kind of ratchet up that utilization to make sure that you're getting the biggest bang for your buck on the tech side yeah it's there's an interesting role i've seen popping up lately with some of these forward-looking companies cx operations because Absolutely. it is so overwhelming so <clears throat> it's it's tough to i mean if you think about like you know sales and marketing they usually have a bunch of tools and anything that uh, accelerates the sales process, right? Companies are going to want to invest in. And usually marketing folks specifically are really good at vetting out tools and creating a really good tech stack and measuring that tech stack because that's what they do. They measure their their whole career. Yep. Where, I, where I, I'm so excited about CX Chronicles and what you do, I talk to leaders all the time and a lot of CX leaders are people who are really good at customer support and they get thrown into that role because they're growing so fast and it's like great we want you to take over the whole program and that's a much different skill set like you said there are tools for everything so talk to me about some of the i don't know best practices you're a startup you get thrown in now i'm head of cx great we're moving <laughs> from a, managing a gmail box to implementing a crm which by the way costs some of them six figures right like those totally. are big contracts you're negotiating everyone wants their live chat or do i put a form on the site or do i do i add phones like i just talked to someone at, uh, who's implementing a phone system and she's looking for best feedback on that. Like, how do you sit someone down and say, okay, like, let me coach you on this part. 
and what are some of the best practices that come with that? Awesome question. So number one, I think that um, when you hear people talk about the importance or the potential power of customer journey mapping or customer mm -hmm. journey analytics, yeah. one of the reasons why you see some of the, the the best and the brightest thought leaders or some of the biggest some of the biggest um, executive practitioners out there that are running CX at huge massive companies. This is why you hear those guys and gals talking about that because theoretically, getting some of the answers that you just asked me right there, Fran, it's not a super duper easy process. There is number one, there's a lot of work um, involved in terms of making sure that number one, you have the right subject matter experts around the table even having the conversation. This is not a CX and a CS yeah. exercise. This is where like, again, for our executive listeners today, this is where you need executive sponsorship to ensure that whomever is leading your CX or CS, even if it's a small company, Fran, this is where, guess what? You get to, as a CX leader at this, let's go with this hypothetical new business. You need to be the guy or the gal that can bring in your 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 marketing SME, your sales SME, your operative SME, your product SME, your 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 finance and your FinOps SME, right? Because especially if you're, yeah. growth, if you're at a growth company, you better have the guy or the gal that's helping to run the financials coming into that conversation so that there can be, even if it's just flying the wall and you're having some additional financial understanding of it, but getting that group around the table is the first step. Second thing is now you start painting a picture of what today's customer journey map even looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So you're understanding from across all the key areas of awareness, consideration, conversion, right? Converting that customer into actual paying customer where the where, yeah. where, where there's like a, like there, if that's the, obviously fair, that's one of the hardest parts of any business, <laughs> getting people yeah. on board and paying. Then yeah. onboarding, all of us, like everybody that's probably listening to this show right now, friend, these are going to be guys and gals that we definitely think about onboarding. Mo most of us know that one of the biggest challenges in the SaaS space, it's getting your brand new users through that onboarding stage to make sure that they're 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 utilizing the product, they understand why they're using the product, they mm -hmm. their day or their day job or their or, or their lives just got easier because they're using the product. And then lastly, it's helping to kind of encapsulate or it's helping the it's helping to make sure that all this stuff remains connected, right? Um, and then lastly, then you get to account management and retention, where, where, where that's the fun stuff where you start thinking about portfolio management, your net revenue retention, your churn mitigation, assessing out sort of who your promoters are versus your versus your detractors, right? And understanding who, who's going to be some of the best people to help you grow the business. Um, but I think all of that being said is, is it, it takes time, right? It takes time. And I think one of the first things, if you're a new CX leader that you need to think about is what does that journey map look like? Because then to answer the first part of your question, now you start to have some of the initial variables laid out there in the world around, for example, what mediums is a customer or a potential customer coming through to your business, right? Is it a web form? Is it a website? Is it is it content? This is this is another big thing, guys. Why do, why do you see so many people like Fran and Adrian out there in the world doing content? Because you need to have conversations like this and give people value for them to even think about why or how that might be a partner that could provide end solutions to their growing pains or their growing yeah. challenges. That's like so. So just understanding mediums is going to be a huge part of it. The other part is this: when you start thinking about common customer consternation points or common employee consternation points. Now we can start to talk about some of the, to, to your question about, you know, what technology should we use or which CX and CS SaaS should we even go invest in? Let's get some of those other answers first so that we can even start to create short lists. Because again, like when you, when you asked about our scorecarding process, friend, one part of it is understanding what you have today or what do you think you'll invest in tomorrow. Part of what we're doing is also navigating what are some of the initial shortcuts that we could show this potential customer around potential solutions that number one, not only fit their company size, some of their company goals, some of their general direction and mission setting, but like one of the hardest things that CX and CSers have is 
they're typically some of the most busy people in the company. They're managing customers all damn day. They're managing the toolkit or whatever existing toolkit you do have. They're dealing with the employee side. So they're thinking about all the problems or all the issues or all the things that the employees are going through with their ticketing. But but really, it's, it's, it's the journey map allows for every business, regardless of size, whether you're a little startup and this is your first, this is you just got your first head of CX, or even larger companies, Fran, where you've got you've already got a thousand customers in the door, you've already got two hundred and fifty or five hundred people working in your company building that, including even larger companies, man, where you start getting into the thousands of employees, tens of thousands of customers, right? Yeah. And, and what this starts to do though is it starts to show um, opportunities across all the four pillars. It might start to indicate possible ideas around how a team should be built, how it should be organized, how should you have the different players in a, in your given organization laid out on the pitch, right? Tools, it might start to show you what, what do the best in class that come to the common top of a Google search, do those fit with what your actual internal needs are on the, on the tech stack side. Process is another one, man, because I'm throwing that in there because most leading CRMs, most leading issue resolution management solutions, most leading project management solutions you can build playbooks inside of them. You can build reporting inside of them, or they come with pre-baked dashboards. You can build role identification and role definitions inside of them if you're doing it accordingly, right? So like a lot of these tools, they're already built for us to be able to start engineering and essentially building out our CX and our CS roadmap for scale from the from the get-go. And then the last part is feedback. <clears throat> Almost every one of these leading tools, think about it, with whether you're using HubSpot, whether you're using Intercom, Help Scout, Guide CX, any of these CX and CSS solutions that are out there, um, they're constantly trying to get your feedback. So they're, not only are they trying to get like your high level customer feedback, but they're getting yeah. product feedback. They're trying to get some of the, they're, they're, they're understanding both relationship uh, feedback based variables plus transactional uh, feedback or product based feedback where you're just getting simple thumbs up, thumbs down, frown, smiley face, like even like trying to get ideas from you as you're using the tool, right? So I think there's a, there's a number of different ways that you could take it. And again, this is another one of those things that we could probably talk about all day, but yeah. Those are some of the first, those are some of the beginning points that we're constantly looking for and we're trying to figure out with our clients where are some of the key opportunities that if you focused on that today we could get the biggest bang for our for our CX and our CS ROI buck. There's you know you have you have guests on and every half hour hour conversation you have there's key takeaways if people listening take away anything uh, remember so Adrian's focus CX Chronicles is team tools process feedback and the biggest thing you can take away from all of this is the foundation of getting all the SMEs or subject matter experts in a room and getting buy-in to be involved with this journey because it touches every part of the org. And that's why the CX job is so hard. Yep. Uh, a lot of us tie it to customer service and that's not accurate, right? Nope. But if you can understand what drives product or what drives the best product leaders out there, customer feedback so they Definitely. can iterate and make a better tool and a better user experience, yep. get them involved. What drives your, your CEO, your leader typically is more acquisition, but more retention, right? Like a better Absolutely. story for them to tell externally. I mean, when, when you, when you craft CX this way internally and you get people involved, it elevates your program where it's not just a 30 minute meeting where people are like, ah, oh, why am I even in here? It's <laughs> we're driving our company to that next level and here's how we're doing it. I just think your piece of feedback, I gave you a, hell of a question and you it all goes back to journey mapping and even if you're f far along a lot of vc backed startups grow incredibly fast and have kind of a shaky foundation but they get through it because they're smart people but i'm sure you deal with that a lot it's like okay let's go back to basics let's 100%. figure some stuff out and it's not a matter of cutting tools to you know like we're, we're in a position now where everybody wants everyone wants to be profitable where everybody was focused on revenue a year ago or six months ago 
It's about cutting tools because it's the right thing for the consumer journey, right? Like it's the right thing for your business. It's not just about a line item. So anyway, I just want to hammer that point home. If there's anything you want to add on that, I just think it's such an invaluable piece of feedback for any leader out there to revisit their customer journey mapping and get more buy-in ex- uh, internally from stakeholders. Fran, you just nailed it, man. You just nailed it where it's not doing a journey map once, checking that off the box right. and saying, okay, we're good. You essentially, you, ju- you just did the first step. Now, now somebody, hopefully your CX or CS internal champion, the guy or the gal that's running the charge with this and is, is really that the person that is being tasked with being your customer thinker, right? Your customer thinker, your customer leader, your customer owner. Those folks then have to come back and they have to think about what their controlling and monitoring plans look like, right? So like, are we doing a quarterly assessment? Are we doing a six-month assessment? Or minimally, are we doing an annual, right? So you just nailed it. That first part is just like, Get it started, get it understood, but then think about your controlling your monitor. How often are you going to, because you just, some of the clients we work with, Fran, we're doing monthly updates. We're doing yeah. monthly reboots. At product companies that this month's sprint just released the next 10 things, you better believe you got to go back to certain areas of a journey map and almost rewrite, remap, redocument, sometimes redefine. So there's like almost like, and this is also the where, again, think about CX and EX here, guys. People like super smart people that are working at companies like that, where you're taking that constant feedback to drive innovation but then more importantly mm-hmm. to push like independence at- autonomy and authority for the for like, your a players to go fix it and build it how they see best fit based on what they learn that's how people are motivated that's how people feel super jacked up around what they're being asked to own for their business or own for their department or own for their team and then on the executive side when you're doing that number one most executive teams they can continue to focus on some of the, the bigger picture things how do we grow the business how do we make sure money's in the bank how do we make sure the financial piece is locked and loaded so we're, we got runway and we're ready to rock and roll yep. and then the last part then they think about some of the bigger things around strategic partners who, is it, who are the strategic partners that are going to propel us into the future but one last thought to add on you could do the exact same thing with your employee journey you can do the exact same thing with your employee journey so like once you get good at understanding how to do the customer journey and most businesses small medium and large it, you know, they go through one or two or three of these exercises. You get it, Fran. You get it quick. You figure out what works. You figure out what type of working sessions and dialogue works good. What it, what, what what doesn't work is good. And if you can't, then you you reach out to CXC or you reach out to someone like Adrian. You get a practitioner to come in that does this, and you, they yep. can help lead the charge, right? And it's typically teach a man to fish. Or once you do a few of them, someone on your team could probably take over and start running some pretty good journey mapping inside yep. of your team. But don't forget about the employee journey, because like. Some of the coolest stuff we've done with some of our clients. So you'll, you'll do journey maps to understand the big picture here. And then you'll do employee employee journeys right below it. And you you essentially, um, you can you look for alignment and look for trending items across the two, right? And then oftentimes when you really understand some of the best, the brightest, the, the biggest opportunities in the, in the customer journey and the employee journey side, now you've just kind of in effect on your prioritization. If you're seeing alignment and there's like three yeah. key areas in the journey side and three key areas on the employee side, probably just found a pretty good starting part for maybe your next three areas that you're going to focus on for next month's OKRs, right? So it, it does, there, there really is some interesting alignment and things that you can kind of, you can kind of go back and forth with each other on the CX and the EX side. Yeah. And that's where culture gets, gets really driven up. I mean, it's, that's where it's not like your mission and values are on a wall somewhere. It's more people buy in because if you've got, I don't know, part of your employee journey or I'm sorry, your, your, your CX journey, um, Customers were getting frustrated at the checkout because they couldn't apply, they couldn't sign in properly or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Feedback comes, you know, you, you assign that to the product team and the engineers and the product manager that worked on that in the last sprint, you go back and you say, hey, look, you fixed this and look at how much better it is at the end of the journey. That fulfillment, now they they want to run through a wall for the next hour, you know, because they, they want to be involved. They want to see the outcome. That's why we're all here. 
working and, and especially at these high growth startups, they want to see their impact. So yep. um, I love that part, that pillar of the feedback. It's not just CX feedback. It's not feedback back to your customers, but it's internally too. And if you, it's exhausting and it's always one more step, but if you do that one more step constantly, it'll change the culture internally and, and make it a joy to work there because everybody wants to row in the same direction. They don't want to just be order takers. Big time. You just, that's exactly what it is, Fran. Yep. Um, tell me about, so I, I know we can keep going on and on with this stuff, but tell me about your, I don't know, like what projects have you worked on in the past six months that are really, really exciting to you? And, you know, every time we talk, your enthusiasm is extremely contagious. So you, I know you get really pumped up about it. What are some of the most fun projects where you see the outcome? Any examples as of late? Yeah. So I think there's, um, okay, so I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep the list short, but like number one, number one, number one, it's amazing to me. And I told you this the other day, Fran, but it's amazing how many companies, even companies that are crushing it with their sales goals. They're just crushing it. They're doing everything right. Yeah. They keep breaking goals. They keep, they keep hiring on more salespeople because everything's going so well. You just, you want to throw more gasoline on the fire. Yep. Um, but we've done some really cool work around customer portfolio management because even those types of companies, it can be easy to start to miss some of the things that are just kind of falling through the cracks. And there are things that aren't even hard to, to combat and the things that aren't even hard to kind of put, again, either team or some tool and, or some process around to defend, right? Or to or, or to combat some of the leakage, if you will. Um, so customer portfolio manage, uh, management is a huge one. We've done some really cool work where we will literally work with our clients. We understand all of the different segments if they don't already have it figured out for them. Number two, we're looking for some of the engagement metrics that show you other signals for either retention or for departure. And I think that's another big thing because a lot of times with companies, they it becomes really easy to focus on your Pareto. You focus on the 20% of your clients that bring 80% of your, of your revenue. And you should because that's the smartest way of just managing the craziness of running any type of business at any type of size. Yeah. But, but... That typically means that most companies who are fortunate enough to actually have a customer portfolio, there's a massive opportunity inside of the other 80% of clients who, in effect, you should be trying to think about how do I convert these people into promoters, right? So it might not always be a revenue play here, Fran, either. It might not always be that you're going to flip you know, half of your 80% into the... It's not possible. It's not going to be how the Pareto rule works. But if you can start to think about what people can you re-engage, what people can you reignite, which people can you win back? Win backs are huge. And by the way, I don't think there's enough chief revenue officers out there who who who, who reward accordingly for win backs. Because think about it, that's an easy place to start. If you need brand new brand new sales revenue next month, when's the last time you looked at all the customers that have already left you over the last one year, two year, three year, and beyond? Because theoretically, those 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 accounts are actually going to be easier, or should theoretically be easier to reignite than going right back to the top of a fresh pipeline and going through the whole customer acquisition rigmarole of trying to get someone who knows nothing about your business, yeah. nothing about your team, nothing about, and probably doesn't care about any of those things either because we're in a, yeah. always live in a very busy world. But customer portfolio management, man, I can literally talk about that stuff forever because it's crazy how many companies that are killing it could do more with their portfolio management. So that's one. Um, second big one is, and we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, so I'll go fast with this, but if you haven't already built your voice of customer reporting or your voice of customer dashboards, not just for your CX and your CS team, guys, for your business, build a dashboard or build a voice of customer report that shows all of the different metrics and all of the different pulse points that your CX and your CS leaders are thinking about every single solitary day, right? Understanding um, which accounts are in the green, which accounts are in the yellow, which accounts are in the red, understanding movement. So like which customers have we just brought 
um, the, the most amount of revenue traction within the last 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, understanding like the, the movement of that portfolio, if you will. Then you get into the feedback stuff, man. And this is where like for CX and CS nerds, we could think about all the stuff all day. But like if you're a salesperson or if you're a product person, if you're an ops person, what are the top five things they're saying about the product? What are the top five things they're saying about our team that supports them? What are the top five areas of opportunity that they think that we could do something wildly different, if not better than other solutions or entities that are already out there on the market doing different things, i.e. here's where your customers literally give you future product and service lines, guys. They literally yeah. give you like the MVP possibilities of where you could bring your future revenues and, and products. And then um, do the same thing for the voice of employee, man. Because again, like this is what's crazy to me is even companies that only have 20 or 50 or 100 employees, arguably though, uh, one would think that the smaller the business and the more valuable uh, each employee is, because let's call it what it is. When you're a small businessman, just yeah. even getting to the point where you can afford an employee is a big freaking deal. It's a big yeah. deal. If you're not going to take the time to listen to those guys and girls that you've just hired, that you've just brought into the business to help you think about what the future possibilities are, that's crazy. So like VOC and VOE reporting, that's the second big one. We've done a bunch of work. And here's the other thing too, man. Most of these companies, Fran, they already have a tremendous amount of this existing data. They just don't know how to purpose it and they don't know how to storytell on it and they don't know how to socialize it across the business. So VOC and VOE employees uh, reports and, and dashboarding is a, is a huge one. And then um, the last big one, it's um, it's going to be the evolution of what we call our CXCCDAs, our calls to action. So like once you get good at just navigating and managing and just generally focusing on the four pillars, every 30 days, especially at a business that's killing it, that has a ton of employee, a uh, ton of customers and has a healthy stable of employees, you should be teaming up CTAs at a rapid pace, calls to action. So understanding how you can, there's no point of getting all this feedback from your employee and your, and, and your, and your customer side. If someone in your business isn't excellent at being able to bring it over to almost more of a project management form, well, then it becomes usable. Identifying like, so I'll keep it super simple for, for, for today, but just understanding here's the call to action or the possibility that we can build with them. Here's who's accountable, here's who's responsible, and here's who has authority within our company to do something with pushing the CTA from maybe in a red state where it's a waiting start to a yellow state where at least it's in progress. And then ideally, man, if you're letting, if you've got so, a bunch of A players working at your company, they're going to be flipping CTAs into that green state of completed every 30 days. And when you start getting good at chopping wood on five, 10, no more, I don't like getting north of tech because then you're losing focus and then you're losing quality. But like you start getting into the into a space where organizationally you're doing five to 10 CTAs a month. You should look behind you three months later, six months later, nine months yeah. later. You're going to have so many CTAs. The ROI that comes from completing CTAs and socializing the fact to your customers and your employees is invaluable. I'm going to spend the rest of my career probably trying to figure out how to actually put a number on that because I think that's when you're going to see, friend, there's not going to be an executive in the world who can argue against the power and the importance of customer experience and customer success in today's world. Obviously, we keep harping on this employee experience. Who typically owns that in the companies that you work with? Awesome question, man. Definitely varies. I think I think the generic answer is you see a lot of companies that still put this into HR or people ops camps. Yeah. I hate to say it, man. I love my friends in HR people ops. So any of my friends listening, don't 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 hate me later for this, but like. Those are not often the same guys and gals that are thinking about the actual journey. So like the expansiveness and the vastness of how complex any company's customer or employee journey can get. The, the other thing is this, typically people that have spent the bulk of their career in HR and people ops, 
they're thinking about some of the mechanical, more operative elements right. of hiring, of employment, of yeah. benefits, of payroll, of you know, all the different things. And don't get me wrong; those things are wildly important. If you don't have that stuff, of course, you don't have any players leaving your leaving your business, right? Of course. But but again, and by the way, this HR people ask Rand, add that to the SME list that comes into your voice of customer task force, by the way. Right. Because that's right. how you start to educate those people. And that's also how they, they're going to start to hear and see things yep. that maybe your SME group is thinking about for the whole journey. And it's going to give them ideas around, wait a minute, we got 500 employees. I can start doing EMPS tomorrow. I can finally right. get a pulse on how these 500 people think about us. Or, or right. they think about how you start to build out maybe that voice of employee reporting or dashboarding that we just talked about. Maybe that's how you get a better look at on a quarterly or an annual basis, the state of the employees. I can't see some of these businesses where you get like a once every 12 months, they do like three or four questions in a survey. That doesn't help anybody. That's very off-putting. And honestly, most people aren't impressed by that. That's like, okay, cool. You've learned how to use survey monkey. Good for you. What are you going to do with it? And then you got to do the same type of thing that we talk about on the CXI, which is how are you going to compartmentalize? How are you going to create action? And how are you going to tee up your CTAs to actually start getting stuff done with that feedback? So I think that that's... Um, that's a, that's a simple way of kind of of kind of thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to your point, it varies. And I, I've talked to not, not, not many companies focus on the employee experience to that extent without the help of someone like you coming in to open their eyes. Um, but I've seen it vary, too. And it's almost like, who could it be a win for? You know, like, is it is it maybe head of product who um, they, they focus on the employee experience and it becomes a win for them in their department because they get better functioning product team where they can get, you know, uh, they can use some tools they haven't been able to use before and they get, you know, the product to accelerate this way. Anyway, I'm just saying to your point, I agree with that. I think typically customer experience, obviously the head of CX is going to hold that near and dear to their heart, but the employee experience can absolutely be somebody else who's in the thick of it. Like you said, totally. Uh, people ops really setting up the foundations for com for employees to come in and succeed and make sure they're taken care of. But this is more like, let's, let's, um, accelerate you know 100 percent. 100 yep great now i think we covered a lot um obviously again for, for all of you out there i've worked with adrian for a while now and he does incredible work and i think the biggest thing is when he comes in um he, he points out some very obvious things where you're like oh, how, how have i not seen that it's right under my nose but those are some of the most important things that without a outside view you don't you don't see um so so adrian why don't you let people know how to get in touch with you if they want to learn more and uh and we'll wrap it up Hundred percent. So, number one, Fran, thank you so much for having me, man. You know I love yeah. this stuff, and you know I love talking about it. I think I say it all the time, guys. I really, truly believe that the majority of future C-suite executives they're going to come from customer experience, customer support. And they're going to come from customer uh, success. They, it's these guys and gals just think about that journey. They think about that expansiveness. We're going to see a lot of people in the future that are leading tomorrow's companies. They're going to come from this space right here. Um, how do you get in touch with us? Number one, check out the CX Chronicles podcast. And by the way, Fran is going to be uh, an upcoming guest. So we're super pumped to get Fran and the Hard team featured in the in the upcoming weeks ahead. But check us out on your favorite podcast player. CX Chronicles podcast is the easiest way of listening and learning, not to just not just to me, but this you got I think we're approaching almost 200 episodes, Fran. And we have been absolutely privileged to have some incredible CEOs from amazing companies across the world coming on talking about exactly how their teams tackle the four pillars. So that's the other cool thing is just to hear how different people cut and slice and dice the pillars. There's a number of different ways you could think about it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn every single solitary day. So look, Adrian Brady-Chazana <laughs> and LinkedIn. I promise you I will respond to you 
uh, as fast as I can. Um, and anyone that really likes this stuff or needs help with this stuff, drop me a direct note, Adrian at CXChronicles.com. I answer all that stuff directly. I'd be thrilled to get back in touch with you. If you're interested in scorecarding, if you're interested in um, some of the tools that we talked about, I'd be thrilled to have those conversations. So, um, and then lastly, um, we did a book. So, so um, uh, it was my first book, uh, I think two years ago, Fran, we put the four CX pillars to grow your business now. It's available on Amazon. If anyone wants to get into the pillars or have a different type of playbook that they can revert back to, grab a copy of our book and, and start, uh, start uh, chopping wood on all the different ways that you can start to think about how the four CX pillars can grow your business. I love it. I love it. Great. Uh, thank you again. I'm humbled to have you on. I think we covered a lot of really good stuff. I hope our listeners got some out of this. And until next time, thank you, brother.